Uh, this week, we are wrapping up our series called The Four, uh, which is about the four messianic miracles that Jesus performed when he was here on earth. Um, you know, I, do you guys ever think about death at all? Do you guys ever think about it? Every once in a while, like, you, you'll think about it, and it's kind of it's weird. It's kind of a strange thing to think about. Um, and in it, there's... Uh, you know, there's, there's so many different components that, to think about as far as time and how God is, has, has confined us in time. And so sometimes it's kind of weird. Uh, but there was a guy named J.M. Bari who ended up um, dying back in 1929. But he was actually the, uh, the creator of Peter Pan, the story of Peter Pan. And what he did is in his will... He actually willed the rights of his play, Peter Pan, to the Great Ornand Street Hospital in London, which is a children's hospital, because he wanted them to get the copyright, basically, so they could get a lot of the money that came from all of the copyrights of Peter Pan. Well, this hospital, the Great Ornand Street Hospital, uh, in the mid-90s, they started to see that there was a very high mortality rate when it came to kids that were coming in, um, and more specifically in the cardiac unit. There was a handover from the operation room to ICU, and they started to see that there was a high mortality rate when it came to this handover. And so they started to think, man, what do we do? We're, we're trying our best here. They said the process was typically about 15 minutes where they would get these kids and get them to the ICU. Well, there's two doctors, um, Martin Elliott and Alan Goldman. And after a lengthy surgery, they were exhausted and they sat down to watch some TV. And they just so happened to be watching the Formula One uh, racing. And I don't know if you watch Formula One or if you watch NASCAR or whatever. Um, I don't, but I don't judge you. Um, the, like, during the pit stops, it's extremely fast. And, and in Formula, Formula One, what they'll do is they'll, ex they'll switch out four tires and they'll give a new tank of gas in seven seconds, which I don't know if you've seen me switch out a tire, but that is like two hours less than what it takes for me to switch out one tire. Um, but they, they're extremely efficient. And so these doctors decided, hey, we're, we're going to reach out to one of these Formula One teams. So they actually traveled to Italy, and they met with the Ferrari pit team. And the pit team showed these doctors, hey, this is, this is how we do this the most, the most efficiently. This is how we do it the quickest. We, we have to make sure there's plenty of time. We've got to make sure there's one guy who's communicating with everybody. We, there's all these different things that showed that the efficiency, the quickness increased because they knew what they were doing. And so these doctors actually went and, and took some of these practices, took them home uh, to London, to back to their hospital, and the, uh, the worst handover errors reduced by 66%, which is pretty incredible. But what they knew is when it comes to uh, medically, time is of the essence. There's a sense of urgency. They knew, especially when lives are on the line, we got to figure this out. We can't be taking too much time. And that, that's what makes the, the passage I'm about to read extremely confusing. We're going we're gonna to read about Lazarus. And um, this is in John 11, if you have your Bibles or, um, you know, it, the, the scripture will be on the screen. But this is what it says. It says, a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. 
This is the Mary who later poured out the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. You know, when you read that, that's one of those, those passages where you read it, and if you really take time to understand what's going on, it's extremely confusing. Jesus gets this message, and, and it's, not this, it's not a random guy. Here it is, it's, it's one of his great friends is sick, and they send this messenger to Jesus. Jesus gets the message that Lazarus is extremely sick, and he waits for two days before he does anything before he moves, before he even starts the journey to go where Lazarus is. You know, if, if we were Jesus, we would probably, the second that we hear uh, that, that, that our great friend is sick, we would rush to get to him, to heal him, to fix it. And I, and I can't even imagine with, with Mary and Martha, because Lazarus ends up passing away. And, and, and the, the confusion and the frustration and the hurt that they probably have, where they, they have the faith where they know, okay, if anybody's going to heal Lazarus, it's going to be Jesus. And he loves us. He's great friends with Lazarus. And, and, and that Jesus waited all that time. They probably were so confused. They probably were wondering, God, there's these random people that just will walk up to you and touch you and they get healed. They haven't spent any time with you yet. We're some of your closest friends and, and, and we're bringing you this request just to heal our brother, and you're not doing anything. I'm sure there was a lot of confusion and frustration with what seemed like Jesus' lack of action. You know, I want to ask you, where, where are you right now? Because I know, I absolutely know that there's people in here where, where there are things that are not adding up. There are things that are not making sense and you pray and you pray and you pray and it's not a lack of faith or a lack of belief or a lack of you having a relationship with God, but you're confused. You're in the mess of this confusion thinking, God, I've prayed for so long. Why won't you move? God, I've been praying for my kid for so long that they would have a relationship with you, that they would come back to you, and I haven't seen anything. Actually, it feels like they've gone further away. God, this, this sickness, I've been praying and praying and praying, and nothing's happening. Jesus, we've been praying for, for a, a child, for a baby, and nothing is happening. God, I've had this dream in my heart to make a difference and nothing has happened. You may be in this moment right now, and I, and I pray that today would give you hope. Because I believe in the middle of this confusion, the middle of the frustration of, of God not moving or not seeming like he's moving, I believe that he is so close to you. And I believe that there's hope for you today. So the very first thing that I want us to, to see is that God's lack of visible action does not mean a lack of emotion. 
God's lack of visible action does not mean a lack of emotion. You know, sometimes we um, get confused when, when God doesn't answer our prayers exactly like we want him to, and, and, and we confuse God to be an apathetic God, to be a God that's up in heaven that just, he'll move when he wants to move, but he just doesn't really care. And that is so far from the truth. You know, Mary and Martha, here they send this messenger, and, and the messenger most likely it took about a day to get to where Jesus was. And so during this waiting time, like I just picture Mary and Martha and they have all these people coming in because, you know, in that culture, just, just everybody came to grieve, you know, if, if you knew them. And so they, they probably were sitting there and they see all these faces walking through the door. And every time I picture them just, just looking and kind of being expectant, thinking, oh, here he is. When the door opens and they see, no, it's not him, it's somebody else over and over and over again. You know, and it was, it, uh, you know, every face that they would look at, they'd see if it's him and still nothing. So what happens is, is Jesus waits two days and he ends up going to Bethany where, where Mary and Martha are and, and he's told that Lazarus has been in the grave for four days. Martha, when she hears that Jesus is there, she goes out to meet Jesus outside of the village. She goes out and she basically tells him, and it seems like this, this confusion of like, Jesus, I know you love us. I still have this faith that, that you are God. And she says, Jesus, if you had been here, I know that he would not have died. So we see her faith mixed with confusion. Which I want you to know today that, that faith can mix with confusion. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to understand everything. You can have that sense of frustration of God, what's going on? But still believing that, that he is a good God that's working on your behalf. Some of you need to know that because you, you've been guilting yourself with this confusion of not understanding what's going on. I want to let you know that you can still have that faith even in the midst of confusion. So Martha, we see she has this, this faith mixed with confusion. And then she goes and tells Mary and says, hey, Jesus is here. So Mary goes out and she falls on her face and, and she does the same thing. Basically um, speaks of this, this faith mixed with confusion of Jesus, I know if you were here that he wouldn't have died. And in John 11, it says this, and this, this is to the point that, that God's lack of visible action does not mean a lack of emotion. It says this, just pick up on these words. It says, when Jesus saw her weeping, so when he saw Mary weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some said this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone uh, rolled across its entrance. So what we see here is anger and sorrow. Anger and sorrow from Jesus. The anger was not at Mary and, and them for, for crying or anything like that. The anger was in Jesus because he has a deep anger when it comes to the results of sin. And death is a result of sin. And so it, it, there's an anger at what the enemy is trying to do to his people. So when there's injustice, 
when there are times that you are hurting, when there, is, when there are times where a family member passes away or, or anything of, of that, um, uh, that extent, Jesus is deeply angry at Satan, at the enemy, because he loves you so much. But then you also see sorrow. You see sorrow. So he had anger at the result of sin in this world, but then sorrow at the pain of his friends. So God may not have answered your prayer yet. He might not have answered your prayer like you want, but I 100% know that he cares so deeply for you. He sheds tears for you. The difficulty that you're walking through, God isn't just like standing back and looking. He is right there with you and he cares so deeply about what you're walking through. I promise you that. In Psalm 34, 18, it says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. So know this, if you are sad, if you're disappointed, if you are brokenhearted, that's the closest that you'll ever feel to Jesus. He is close to the brokenhearted. Matthew 5, 4 said, God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. What I want you to know is that whatever you are walking through right now, God deeply cares. He deeply cares about what you're going through. So know that God's delay does not equal his denial. There's always something bigger going on. And so know that in the waiting that Jesus is there with you. He cares for you. And you can simultaneously be confused by his ways and the way that he moves, but also still know and and reap the benefits of his nearness. So even when you don't understand, Jesus says, I'm here for you. I love you. I care for you. So, So know this, that God's lack of visible action does not mean a lack of emotion. Number two, the second thing that I want you to know during these times is that God is the author of time. God is the author of time. When it comes to our circumstances, sometimes we forget that we are so limited just because we're human. Our understanding is so limited because we are confined by so many things. And and the main thing would be time. We cannot see things outside of the lens of time because we, every one of us, have a timeline. We have a beginning and an end here on earth. And so we cannot understand eternity. We can't. We cannot see outside of time, but God not only can see outside of time, he is the author of time. He's the creator. He, he is outside of time, so he's not confined by it. So he has a higher perspective when it comes to timing. It's kind of like in football, um, you know, what, what you'll have is you'll have a lot of coaches that are on the sidelines But then a lot of times like an offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator or quarterback's coach will be up in the booth. So they'll be up higher. And the reason being is because it helps for them to get a higher perspective, to get up from above kind of like all the stuff that's just going on, to be able to see from a higher perspective what's going on. And then they can call down and say, hey, like, you know, you've got a middle linebacker creeping or you've got like this going on or that going on. Things that from the main level the coaches wouldn't be able to see, yet they're at a higher perspective, so they have an angle that nobody else has. Um, you know, another example is uh, I'm, I'm like a 
claw machine connoisseur, I, uh, I'm really good. Uh, and I, no lie, anytime I see one, like I just have this, this craving to, to like get a stupid uh, stuffed animal. I don't have any kids. It's just like, I just, I, it's an addiction. Um, but whenever I'm doing a claw machine, I always want to have a spotter. It's somebody like on the side I'll be able to look at a different angle and let me know like two clicks forward or, you know, whatever. And uh, I always need somebody that has a different angle, a different perspective, you know. And, and, and that's the thing with God is that like he has a different perspective than we have. He isn't confined by time. He is the author of time. And, and so he has such a higher perspective. In John 11, 3 through 6, it says, So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, uh, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. And then when Jesus is talking to the disciples during this two-day period, it says, he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there, for now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. So we see this, this, this Jesus thinking on a different level, a different perspective. So what happens is, kind of like I said, Jesus goes back, he meets with Mary and Martha, he goes to the tomb, and then when Jesus gets there to the tomb, it says this, um, he said, roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. The KJV says he stinketh. Um, it really does. You can look it up. Uh, Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Then it says, many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. And the reason being is because, you know, we've been in this series called The Four, and there was four miracles that in that tradition, they said, hey, there are miracles that, that the average person can do, but there are four miracles that only the Messiah can do. And so, you know, we, we, we talked about the healing of a leper, healing of a man born blind, the casting out of a demon from a man who was mute. And then the, the fourth one was the resurrection of a man after four days. So what we see is that when, when Jesus waited two days, it wasn't him being sadistic and like weird and like twisted and thinking, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna dangle them and just make them wait. No, Jesus had intentionality with this because he knew if I wait two days, it's gonna add up to four days to where if I heal Lazarus at that time, not only will I be bringing a dead man to life physically, there's going to be people who are spiritually dead who are going to see this, and their souls are going to come to life. Their spirits are going to come to life, and they're going to believe in me. 
So there was so much more that wasn't able to be seen by the human eye that God was doing when he was waiting. I want you to know that if God hasn't answered your request right away, I promise you there is so much more going on that you don't see. In, in 2 Peter 3, it says this, But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, check this out. This is the reason for, for sometimes why he waits. He is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. You see, he is able to look and see, okay, what in what way that I answer or move Will it bring the most people closer to me? We talk about this all the time, but, but God's just greatest desire for you and for everybody is that you would know God, you would find freedom, that you would discover purpose, and that you would make a difference. That's, that's what God, just his heart burns for that. He wants that so desperately in your life. And so when he answers, like, like with this, with Lazarus, he saw, okay, he was outside of time, and so he can look and see, okay, I can move at this point, but if I wait a couple days at this point, there's going to be so many people that look and see, okay, that was four days, so that means he's the Messiah, and that means that I'm going to put my faith in Jesus. And so it, when he moved, there was so much more going on. He, he deeply desired not just to bring Lazarus to life physically, but to bring those people that were spiritually dead outside of a relationship with Jesus to spiritual life. And so I hope this is an encouragement to you because God can use the, 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 the most difficult thing that you're walking through to bring people closer to him. But what we have to do is we have to know, okay, God, if you're not moving right away, I'm going to trust you with this timing. It doesn't mean not to ask him for things or not to ask for healing or not to ask. God's very clear that we should ask and believe. But we also have to have the faith that says, okay, God, if you don't move right away, I know that you have a higher perspective. You have a, a higher thinking than me. You are outside of time, so you know exactly where and how the most people are going to come close to you. You know, like for, for healing, I believe that... Um, I believe that God heals all believers, which you might say, well, that doesn't make sense because there are people that are saved that pass away. But I believe there's three ways that God heals. One is immediate. You know, there are miracles that happen in healing where God will heal somebody right away. He still does that. But then I also believe that there's gradual healing, you know, through medicine, through doctors, just through time, like somebody has a disease or they're sick and then over time, they're healed, but then there's also ultimate healing, which we forget about. If a believer goes to be with Jesus, they are ultimately healed. And so there are three different kinds of healings. And I believe that when it comes to, when it comes to, to God, I believe that he is so much bigger than us so he can see, okay, immediate, gradual, ultimate, what's going to bring the most people closest to me? And we don't have that perspective. We don't. And so what we have to do is we have to pray, we have to believe, we have to have that faith that God, I know you can do this, but I also have the faith that you can use anything to bring people to you. Isaiah 55 says this, 
My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You can have hope today that God's thoughts are higher than your thoughts. His ways are higher than your ways. So when you are walking through the darkest time of your life, the most difficult time of your life, God is using that to bring you closer to him and to bring others closer to him. But we can't even grasp, we can't even understand his thoughts. So many times we try to understand, but, but you can't. Like we just can't even understand how high his thoughts are. It's kind of like um, Serena Williams, the, the tennis player. I read this article the other day about how uh, she told her husband that she wanted Italian food and they just flew to Italy. They just went. And like, I, I couldn't grasp it. I couldn't understand it. Because there's been a couple of times where it's like 10 p.m. and Amber's like, I, I could use some Lucky Charms and I'll go to the grocery store. And I just, that's like the highest level. I'm like, I'm such a baller right now. It's, it's nighttime, 10 p.m. and I'm getting cereal. Like, and that's like the highest I can understand. And I read this and I'm like, I got a ways to go. Uh, I need to get to where I can fly Amber to Italy at the drop of a hat. Uh, but I just don't even comprehend. I couldn't, I couldn't comprehend it. In no way if Amber was like, I'm really craving some Italian. I'd be like, maybe we can go tomorrow to like Mama Lucci's or something. Like there's, I just, there's no, it wouldn't even enter my mind. Like, let's get in a plane. Let's go to Italy. But, but they could do that, you know? And, and so like, I, I can't even grasp that because they're, they're living on a different level than I'm living financially. Um, and so, but when it comes to God, he is just, he's on a different level. He is the creator. He's the potter. We are the clay. And so we don't grasp or understand what God is truly doing. But I guarantee you that you can know, absolutely know, that God is good and that what he does is good and, and that he is moving on your behalf and that he deeply cares about what you're going through. I promise you. I promise you. So when you're going through these times where you're waiting, don't confuse God's lack of visible action for a lack of emotion. Um, but then also know that God is the author of time. And the third thing is that God's miracles carry no expiration date. God's miracles carry no expiration date. Have you ever had uh, chunky milk? Yeah, it's not good. Um, I don't know why people eat cottage cheese, because it's like, why? Like, that's just curdled milk. Um, it's, it's the worst I have, and it, it scarred me. Uh, it, I didn't realize it, but I had a couple chunks in one of my cereal bowls one time, and since then, I don't mess around. Nope. If it's the day of, it's going down the drain. Like, it's, it's, not, it's not happening. Um, there was one time where my, my wife's family, we were we were visiting with them in Chicago and my nephew Colton was like young at this time, like under a year. And they had given, given him some milk and I guess it was expired because it came back up. And um, there were definitely some chunks. And I was so amazed at how Amber's family, just everybody just jumped in and was like cleaning and like helping. And I couldn't. Like I was at a point where I was just like, my, my help for this is just to not contribute to the throw up. 
So that's what I had to focus on. just like, you got to bail. You got to get out of here. And so um, I was like dry heaving. And, and so I go and like, we're in this hotel room. And I'm like, all right, I, got, I just got to go. So I go and I open the door and I'm thinking, okay, like, I didn't want them to see me hurting and in pain, so I'm going to wait until I'm on the other side of this door to dry heave. So I open the door, and I'm like, I'm free. And I'm like, and Amber's mom is like right on the other side of the door, like opening it. She's like, and she didn't see any of this going on. So she's like thinking, what the heck is going on? I'm like, I'm like, oh, sorry. And then she went in, and I'm like out in the hallway just like collecting myself, just like, you can do this. Like, and finally... It got, all got cleaned up and all that kind of stuff. But I, I, I don't mess around when it comes to expired milk. Like it just, the date is the date and I'm not going to infringe upon that. I'm just going to trust that they know what they're, they're talking about. And the, um, everything when it comes to food, you know, has like an expiration date. But sometimes we treat God's miracles like that. We think, okay, I'm going to pray for this to happen. I'm going to pray for two or three or four weeks but then if God has an answer to that time, then, he's, then I'm just going to stop praying for it. I'm going to stop believing that God can do that. You know, Martha, it was interesting. She had faith that Jesus could have healed Lazarus if he were there. And she had some great faith, but she didn't realize that Jesus' power was so much greater than that. You see, because she thought Lazarus had to be alive for Jesus to heal him, but then she even... You know, we see where Jesus didn't even have to be at the location of the person. He spoke it, and the person was healed. You know, we see that with the, the, um, the centurion's servant. So she didn't even realize that distance wouldn't keep Jesus from healing, that death couldn't keep Jesus from healing. She didn't understand that his power was so much greater. A lot of times what we do is we box God into our time frame, and we think if God has not moved by this time, then he's just not going to do it. I want to let you know that God can do anything. I want you to have that faith that, that yes, God knows the perfect timing, but there is nothing that is out of his, his control and out of his power. John eleven thirty nine 39, it says this, roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. She's saying, yeah, I get that you could have healed him, but it's been four days. The tradition back at, the, at that time, they, they believed that after three days, then that's when the soul, that's when the spirit left. So they thought, okay, within this time frame, yeah, maybe something could still happen, but four days, no. And sometimes we do that. We say, you know what, God, like I, I get that you're the savior. I, I, I get all that, but the doctors have said this. I get you could have moved but they've, they've said this, that's the diagnosis. And, and, and we box God in and we, we sometimes think that there's an expiration date. God, I get that you heal marriages, but you have no clue what we've been through. You have no clue what I've done. God, I get that you provide, but I've already gotten the eviction notice and I lost my job. God, I get that you use people, but maybe when I was a teenager, but you have no clue the, the, the path I've been on. And I want to let you know that God is not done with you. His miracles carry no expiration date. He can move at any time. He can do what he wills. It's kind of like, um, you know, Abraham had this promise from God that, 
that there was going to be a great nation coming out of Abraham's line. And, and he promised, God promised Abraham a son. And in Romans 4, it says this, this is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. And when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about a hundred years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead and so was Sarah's womb. I want you to know that you can be like Abraham where you believe in the God who brings the dead back to life, who creates new things out of nothing. And if you're in the, the, the moment where you're saying, man, God, I want a baby so bad to hold my own, to, to hold in my arms. God, I've had this kid that's walked away from the faith and they've walked so far away. And I'm just waiting for them, but it just seems like nothing's happening. God, I've got this sick family member, and they just, it just seems like it's, nothing's happening. God, the cancer cells came back. God, that sin that I thought was done with, it, it's come back. God, this addiction won't go away. God, this marriage seems to have no hope. In those moments, I want to ask you, do you believe in the God who brings the dead back to life, that creates new things out of nothing? Just like Abraham, when it seems like there is no reason for hope, I want you to know that you can believe in a God that does miracles with no expiration date. I want you to know that there will be a time that Jesus comes back. And even if God didn't answer your prayer exactly like you wanted to, you waited and you waited and that person did pass away or, the, or, or whatever happened, I want you to know that there will be a day when Jesus comes back and there will be no pain, no tears, no sadness. And all of that, will, you will just be in the presence of God. But I want you to know that you can believe. You can have faith. You can know that there is a God that loves you, that cares for you, that's working on your behalf, that has perfect timing. And so the band's going to play a song. And, and just during this song, just listen to these words and Allow it to build your faith and to build your belief in a God who has perfect timing. Jesus said, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? Listen to this song and just help it to build your belief.
Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. We see a lot of stuff here where the first is that Jesus came to bring the dead to life. He didn't come to make bad people good. He didn't come to, to see if you could be good enough to get to him. When we do not have a relationship with God, we are spiritually dead. And I want to let you know you are not too far gone. You are not too far dead in order for Jesus to bring you to life. Some of you, you need that today. You need Jesus to, to bring you to life. He gave up his life so you can have his. And so if that's you today, I want you to know, I'm going to give you an opportunity to just say, Jesus, bring me to life. I am taking your life in place of this mess that I've tried to, to do on my own. But the second thing there is, is the grave clothes. You know, Lazarus was brought to life and he comes out with these grave clothes on, kind of like he was kind of wrapped, almost like a mummy comes out with his face wrapped in a headcloth and Jesus says, unwrap him, let him go. I think there's probably so many people in here that, that Jesus is your savior. You've, you've accepted him as your savior. He's brought you to life, yet you're not living like it. You know, like with Lazarus, he had breath in his lungs, but he had no freedom in his actions because he was still wrapped by these grave clothes. He was still in that, 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 that form of being dead. And I think a lot of times what happens is we say, okay, I know Jesus is my savior, yet we still act like we are slaves to sin. We still act like we, we can't live in the freedom that God has for us. And so for some of you today, I want you to know that Jesus doesn't just want to bring you to life. He wants to take off the grave clothes. This shows the importance of the discipleship process. To not just believe or know that Jesus is Savior, but to truly live like it. We want to see that in your life. One of the main things is small groups. You have to get in a small group this next semester. Get into a group to where you know, okay, I'm going to have people who are bringing freedom into my life. They won't let me walk around in grave clothes anymore. You know, for some of you, it's just like, man, the, the whole thing of, of sexual sin has just kept you so capped to your potential for living for Christ. And I want you to come into next week with expectancy that God does not want you to live in that anymore, that he has freedom in store for you. Some of you are Mary or Martha in this story. You've been waiting and begging and just asking God, please do something, move. God, I need healing. God, I want a child. God, I need a job. God, I need this. I want you to know, keep asking, keep believing. I put a prayer in your notes there of uh, just a simple prayer that you can pray. It says, God, I believe that you can do anything. I ask you for, and then you just ask for whatever you need. I believe that you will act in a way that sees the most people living in the most freedom. This is the really important part. I will trust you, seek you, obey you, and believe you, even when I don't understand. You are a God of miracles, and I will wait for you. 
You know, people are, are watching you. And I think one of the greatest testimonies of, of the Savior that you serve is when you stand with a strong faith even when the storm is not stilled immediately. So when you say, okay, God, my life is not where I need it to be right now. God, there's this difficult thing going on, but even in the storm, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to believe you. I'm going to trust in you. To say there's no expiration date for my faith because I know I serve a God that's outside of time. T.S. Eliot said this, the greatest proof of Christianity for others is not how far a man can logically analyze his reasons for believing, but how far in practice he will stake his life on his belief. So I want to ask you, have you staked your life on the belief that Jesus is Savior and that he came to set you free? You might come to church because you think it's a nice thing to do or it's what you're supposed to do or it might teach you good values or it might. All of this is meaningless if you don't have Jesus as the Savior and Lord of your life, if he does not have full control of you. So I want to ask you, if if you are like Lazarus and you are spiritually dead, today is your day where Jesus can bring you back to life. If you've been walking around in grave clothes and have not been living in the freedom that God has for you, today is the day where you say, I'm going to put the things in place where I don't have to walk around in these grave clothes anymore. And then if you have something in your life that you, it just seems like God is not moving, I want you to have hope and faith today that we serve a God of miracles that is outside of time, that knows the exact moment to act that will bring the most people to him. I want you to leave with hope today that God has not forgotten you. He's not given up on you. He loves you. He cares for you. And he can do anything, but he's going to do it at the perfect moment. So let's pray. Dearly Father God, we thank you that you are a God of miracles. God, that you are not limited by our concept of time. But you know exactly how and when the most people can come to you spiritually and be brought to life. God, right now I pray for those that would say that they're spiritually dead. They might believe that you exist, but they have not put their full faith in you. They don't have a relationship with you. They've been trying to do things on their own. They've been trying to bring themselves back to life. Jesus, I pray that in this moment that they would know that you are calling them. You are reaching out to them. You desire to have a relationship with them. They would know that you gave your life so that they could truly live. If that's you, I just... I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. And it's not the words that are going to save you. It's the belief in your heart that Jesus is the one that saves you. And he is the only way that you can be saved. If that's you, I want you to pray this with me. Jesus, I have tried to do life on my own. I've tried to do enough good things to come to life. But Jesus, I know that you are the only one who can save me. I know that you gave your life on the cross so that I can live. Jesus, 
I'm giving you my old life and I'm turning to what you have for me. I want to live in the freedom that you died to give me. Thank you for loving me and I want to live for you. In your name I pray, amen.